Welcome to Thoughts on Thriving, a holistic lifestyle and wellness podcast that's here to help you become the healthiest, happiest, most aligned version of yourself. I'm your host, Ava, a registered dietitian in training and health and wellness junkie. I'm so excited to have you here as I dive deep into meaningful conversations covering topics from nutrition and mental health to spirituality and self-development and everything in between with experts in many fields. I'm so happy you're choosing to learn how to thrive today. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughts on Thriving. I'm so excited for today's episode because today we have on Kristen Schwartz or The Realized Empath. So Kristen is an author, an entrepreneur, an attuned empathic healer, and a trauma-informed mental health professional. She has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in counseling, and in 2016, fueled by passion and recognizing the need for empaths and highly sensitive people to realize their potential, Kristen became the founder of Realized Empath, which is now an Instagram account and a wellness community that she runs with tips and practices made specially for people living as empaths or highly sensitive people in this world. And within this wellness community, empaths unite for support, inspiration, and healing. She's also written the book, The Healed Empath, recently, which is the highly sensitive person's guide to transforming trauma and anxiety, trusting your intuition, and moving from overwhelm to empowerment. She's the host of the Realize Empath podcast, and she offers one-on-one healing sessions, online courses, and a sensitive soul membership for people who identify as empaths or highly sensitive people. And if you're wondering what an empath or highly sensitive person is, just wait until the episode. We get into all of it today. We talk about what these terms even mean, Kristen's own personal journey to self-acceptance, the realities of living as an empath or highly sensitive person in this world. And Kristen shares lots of different ways that we can protect our energy, set boundaries, and just function as a highly sensitive person or empath living in today's society. So this episode is filled with so much goodness. Even if you don't identify as an empath or highly sensitive person, I promise you can get lots out of this episode still. We talk about different ways to set boundaries for everyone, not just empaths and HSPs. And a lot of the other practices we talk about can be used by just about everyone. So I think everyone can take something away from this episode and I really hope you guys like it. Let us know what you think on our Instagram at thoughts.on.thriving and make sure to follow the account for more updates on new episodes. And I would really, really appreciate it if you rated the show and left a nice review This is what helps the show the most, and if you guys liked this episode, please make sure to share it on your Instagram, share it with a friend, send it to someone you think this would help, and without further ado, here is my conversation with Kristen Schwartz. Thanks, guys. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. So glad to be here. I'm so happy to have you and to jump into all things empaths with you today. So I did give you an introduction in the intro of this episode, but just for those who don't know you, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Absolutely. So right now, um, I guess I would consider myself a mental health expert or professional. 
I've been a counselor in the past, had a practice um, to kind of reach beyond the borders of individual states and also outside of the country. Um, I'm more the modality of like coaching now. Um, I have my degrees. I'm um, certified in trauma recovery. Um, so yeah, as a kid, I didn't realize I was highly sensitive or an empath. Um, I kind of lived most of my life in fight or flight, um, disconnected from my body, not understanding. Um, I thought there was something fundamentally wrong with me. Um, I felt everything so intensely. Um, and then you couple that with the trauma that I had endured in childhood. It became just really difficult to just navigate my emotional world. Um, so about six years ago, coming into the full realization that I was an empath, I blended my um, education and my career and then my actual life experience of being highly sensitive and empath and kind of brought those two together, married them. And then that's what re came realized empath. Amazing. And if someone's listening to this and they've never even heard the term empath or highly sensitive person before, how would you describe it to them? And how would someone even know that they are one? Oh, yeah, sure. That's a great question. So a highly sensitive per person is actually has um, their brain is, is, is a little bit different. So we process things more intensely. We are cued into like the little subtleties um, in the world. Um, and so our nervous system is a little bit more sensitive as an empath. Um, I consider empath being an empath. I consider myself a highly sensitive person too, but as an empath, I actually feel, um, the well, I feel other people's energy and feelings that I am in close contact with. So if I'm standing next to you at a grocery store and we're talking, I can actually feel the feelings underneath the words that you're speaking. So that's right. I try to keep that as simple as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. So how did you realize that you were an empath or a highly sensitive person? Are they interchangeable, by the way? Uh, they aren't. So a highly sensitive person, um, the question that is a really simple question to ask yourself is, am I really good at noticing how someone else feels or am I actually feeling what someone else is feeling? Um, so that's a good question to ask yourself when you're kind of, you're trying to decide, am I just highly sensitive or am I actually feeling the feelings and emotions of those around me? Um, so you can be an empath and highly sensitive, or you can just be highly sensitive and not an empath. Okay. So empath is a part of like, it, it's a type of highly sensitive person, but not every highly sensitive person is an empath. Correct. Yeah. Got it. That's interesting. Cause I wouldn't consider myself an empath necessarily, but I would consider myself a highly sensitive person. So that's, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So how did you realize that you were an empath? Um, yeah. What was that process like for you when you realized, mm -hmm. was it a gradual buildup or did you learn about empath somewhere and just have it all click for you immediately? Yeah. So about, well, it's been about seven years ago now. I, is when I call it the dark night of the soul, where I hit a wall um, and I just couldn't even fathom going on another day living the way that I had the years before. Um, and I meditated and I prayed every day and I was um, in such, there was such, it was such deep suffering. And I was looking for answers, trying to truly understand 
what made me different and why other, when, when I looked around, I thought, gosh, nobody else is experiencing this, like what I'm experiencing. And from that space of just willingness to learn and open myself up to just like the curiosity of like, what is it about me that I'm, I don't know yet? Um, I just started reading and I came across a, a, like a blog post or some article. And I don't even remember where it was in, whether it was like elephant journal, I don't remember, but it was like one of those posts that said, um, you know, these are the top 15 traits or, you know, of an empath. And I started to read the article and I was like, whoa, there's something here. Um, and that just kind of like lit a spark. Um, and I just started to kind of dive in and learn as much as I could about being an empath and being a highly sensitive person. So it kind of just snowballed from there. Nice. And you mentioned you were um, a therapist before, correct? Mm -hmm. So what was that shift like for you? Did the shift happen because you found out you were an empath and you decided you wanted to coach people or was that just a separate change for you? Yeah. So to really understand how this all unfolded, um, you really have to know like my whole life's journey up until six, seven years ago, every decision that I made, anything I attempted to accomplish was all rooted in this need to feel worthy, um, need to prove my worthiness. Um, it was all tied from my core trauma, but like many of us, I was unconscious to that. It just felt like if I could just accomplish the next thing or get the next relationship, or if I was successful in this or that, that I would arrive at some place of peace and happiness. So it was a lot of chasing my own tail. And every time I would have moments or even I would have little moments of success, I'd had a a company before this one, and I hit all the goals that I was striving for, but I never obtain that peace or arrival that I thought I was supposed to be at. Like, oh, if I can just do this, I'm going to, it'll be better. If I just do this, I'll feel better. Um, And I never did. So even when we're talking about counseling in the past um, and getting my degrees, so I could do that, the decision to get those degrees was still rooted in proving my worthiness. So it wasn't until seven years ago where I realized, oh my gosh, every step I've taken up to this point was to prove myself. And I just never arrived. And that's why I hit the wall. Cause I realized seven years ago, there is absolutely nothing that I can obtain, create or accomplish that's going to get me to this place that I'm striving for. And realizing that that's where it like, that was, that's the beginning of the dark night of the soul, because I, everything that I thought um, was going to give me the thing I wanted, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get it that way. And that's the only way I knew, right. Was this constant, like strive, hit a wall, crash and burn, strive, hit a wall, crash and burn. Um, Yeah. And so it was like, I had to rebuild myself at that point And then through the rebuild, I could bring in like all the other things. Okay. I can use this degree actually, but I had to step into who I truly was first before I could pull in the different pieces of myself and to see what would work 
you know, from that point forward. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think so many people can relate to that looking for external sources of validation Mm -hmm. and things that will make us feel fulfilled. We've truly believe we're conditioned to believe that happiness comes from outside of us. And I've had a very similar dark night of the soul experience in the past couple of years. And I call it my spiritual awakening. You can call it what you will, but it's, it's really just a reframe of the way we look at you know, how we are being filled up. And once you realize that happiness and the joy comes from within, then you can truly, I think, focus on all the other things right? um, from a much more centered place. So thank you for sharing. And I I mean, with the, you said you had like a core trauma Mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily have to share what that was, but do you think that people can reach that place where they're looking for all these external things to fill them up from even just like micro traumas. Cause I necessarily like personally, I didn't have like a big traumatic event, like one big traumatic event in my life, but I think everyone is micro trauma traumatized at, yeah. um, for at sure. different points in their lot of different points of their lives. So yeah, for sure. We, we don't have to have some big trauma, um, for us to, identify with or condition ourselves to believe that happiness or worthiness is something outside of ourselves. It's something that we have to obtain or create or build that is programmed into us just through society, just through messaging, just through uh, hearing other adults talk or, you know, teachers talk, or, I mean, that's just, you know, it's like we're computers as children and we're being filled with data. And what a child decides to take in and mark as truth for them, you know, that's an individual thing. So no, you don't have to have trauma to believe that we're, you know, your worthiness comes from outside of yourself. Not at all. Mm. And I feel like if you did, it would just kind of ingrain that even further in you, no matter what the trauma, because it then becomes also programming, but like, as well as a trauma response. So that's really interesting. So Another thing I was wondering with the whole spirituality piece was are spiritual people more likely to be empaths? Because I feel like the more aware I become spiritually and the more sense, like the more sensitized I become to my surroundings, the more I feel like I am an empath or highly sensitive person, even though I kind of more um, feel like I'm a highly sensitive person, but is there a correlation? That's a really good question. Um, I'll tell you what came up for me when you were asking that question was, I do believe that the more that we heal and the more self-aware we become, the more sensitive we are to energy, just because we have, I, when I work with clients, I use the analogy of like, we're all carrying around a backpack that uh, we've been carrying since we were little. And as we go through life, we fill that backpack up right? We fill it up of experiences and how we interpret those experiences of like views and judgments um, of ourself and others. Um, core wounds create just beliefs that, that aren't, that aren't helpful, helpful to us, coping mechanisms. So depending on how heavy that backpack is, then our attention and our focus is going to be filtered through our pain, right? So we're really not seeing life for what it is, We're seeing a version of life filtered through whatever the glasses are. Let's say they're gray colored glasses because it's all of our pain that we're carrying around. As we lighten up and heal the stuff in our backpack, 
it's like a veil is being lifted, right? So we're actually like, whoa, okay, I'm seeing the green of the grass for the first time in a month. I've been, you know, I've driven this way to work for the last six months and suddenly I'm seeing things new or I'm seeing things in a fresh light. So I don't know if spirituality per se, that having a spiritual practice or being more spiritual means that you have a greater chance of being an empath. But I do believe that the more that we heal, the more sensitive we become to our own energy. And that would make sense because when you go through that spiritual journey, you are inherently healing yourself mm-hmm. of those, those right. things we put in our backpack. So that's, I love that analogy. Another like similarity I kind of saw was with anxiety and empaths. Funny enough, it just seems like people who have anxiety and empaths have some similarities based on just the things that I've seen on your Instagram, I guess not all of the things, but do you think that some people with anxiety are anxious because they're empaths who are like taking on lots of energy and don't have the tools necessarily? Or, you know, what's the difference? How do we know if we're an, a highly sensitive person or just someone who's anxious? Yeah. So um, if you take away the label of empath completely and you just think about, okay, this is just, we're just humans communicating how we experience the world. And a lot of us have similarities like, whoa, me too. Like that's how I experienced that situation too. Um, anxiety wouldn't be like a precursor for being an empath and dependent on like each individual is unique. So for instance, for me right now, as we're talking, I have anxiety, it's in my chest because I am a highly sensitive person and I'm an empath. I do not enjoy. My body does not enjoy. It's not at peace when I'm on camera. This isn't natural for me. It doesn't feel natural. So I actually have to make sure I'm caring for myself before I'm calming my body internally through my mind as I'm talking, just kind of like chilling, but also I'm a trauma survivor. So my body sometimes responds as if I'm in that past trauma and, and thoughts won't even be the precursor to that. Sometimes my body just feels that energy and there's no reason, right? So there's going to be different reasons we feel anxiety is in terms of impasse and being highly sensitive. Yes, we, it's very common for us to have anxiety, um, especially if we went a long time in our lives without realizing we were highly sensitive, we have so much in our backpack of like energy we've been carrying around for years and like judgment of that and thoughts about ourselves. Um, and, and we can just be anxious, right. Or there's that fear that we might have, oh gosh, I have this party to go to this Friday. Um, there's going to be 150 people there. You know, what am I going to feel when I walk in the door? Like we're anticipating feeling the energy in the room and that can can create nerves and anxiety. So, you know, like with anything, it's going to be an individual, you know, basis. Um, but what I have found in my practice, it's very, very common for empaths and highly sensitive people to experience, um, anxiety. Yeah. And I love what you said about, you know, having to take care of yourself before the interview and do Mm -hmm. certain things to ground yourself, because that's really important as an empath or highly sensitive person to, you know, work with what you have to do. You had to be on camera, for example. Mm -hmm. And so you, you did things to get ready to do that. So, on your Instagram. And I love your Instagram, by the way, you post such helpful little tidbits and little chunks of wisdom on there. So if 
people are listening, you guys should definitely check her out on Instagram. It's at Realized Empath. And we'll get into all that at the end on where you can find Kristen. But you post a lot of amazing tips for empaths and how we can live in this world. And I just want to know of all of the things that you recommend and talk about, what are some of your like top three tips for empaths, highly sensitive people to help protect our energy? Yeah, that's a great question. And one that I get asked so much, not only in practice, but on Instagram. Um, Mm. So, and sometimes they're the answers. People most of the time are looking for quick fixes. They're just like, just tell me a quick thing, but it's a lifestyle change. Um, And I say this all the time. It's, you know, in terms of the data and research, when it comes to highly sensitive people, we make up like less than 20% of the population. So when you think about that, within our life, our lifestyle has to be unlike 80% of the population. You can't be living the same way as your neighbor, or if you're in college, you're, you know, your college roommate, if they're not highly sensitive. <clears throat> so the first thing that a lot of us have to come up against and really settle um, with is what's holding us apart from changing the way that we live. Do we view ourselves as a burden? Do we think we're not worth it? Do we think that, yeah, that we're not going to be loved, that people are going to reject us? Um, Do we not know how aware we are of our strengths? Do we actually accept ourselves as a highly sensitive person? Or are we looking for other people to accept us first? So we have to change our lifestyle is number one. And then number two is this is huge. You have to have a proactive self-care plan and a reactive self-care plan. So proactive is things that you do every single day, non-negotiable, right? And this is really about the lifestyle change. Um, You can kind of like play around with and create your own recipe when it comes to what feels good to you or what you need on an energetic basis from day to day. I'll say that my my non-negotiables each day are, I make sure that I get plenty of sleep. I go to bed the same time every night. I move my body every day. I journal, I meditate. And then I will, um, depending on how I'm feeling during the week, I kind of dabble in red light therapy. Um, I have a red light therapy machine at my house. I'll do that like three times a week, 15 minutes a day. I'll do cryotherapy or I'll do cold showers to help with um, mental resilience. And then I do talk therapy too. Like I go to therapists. If I'm specifically like, if I'm really triggered, then I'll go and do some like EMDR, um, some trauma work. So I make it fun though. It's not a job for me. It's a lifestyle. Like, and I actually have fun with it. Oh man, I want to try this or that. And then I try it. So that's non-negotiable is like your everyday self-care. And then your reactive self-care is, like I said, you're going to a party, you know, there's going to be 150 people there. It's, you know, you're going to be uncomfortable walking in. So then what can you do in that moment? Can you do breath work? What are your boundaries in terms of your energetic boundaries that need to be set during that event? Do you know that you can attend for an hour and a half before your, your energy actually takes a hit? then you set your boundaries around your time. So I think those are the three things, Um, questioning yourself and what's holding you apart from making the change. And then your reactive and and, uh, proactive self-care. That was awesome. Thank you. That's super helpful. And you mentioned boundaries. 
I really wanted to talk about this topic because I feel like for anyone, even if you're not highly sensitive or if you don't consider yourself an empath, boundaries are really hard right now to be setting, but they're so important. So why are boundaries specifically important for empaths? And also how can we go about setting them? So boundaries are important for every human being. They basically say, here is the space that I can love me and love you at the same time, right? Mm. So if we if we kind of take steps backwards from our boundaries, then that's a space of like, you can show someone else love, but you're not loving yourself. And over time you'll get depleted. Um, or if you step forward towards them, then you're taking care of, what did I say? You're taking care of them, but depleting you or taking care of you and then not offering yourself at all to help others. So it's like that balance that you can do both. Um, why they're important to impasse because it's very also very common for impasse and highly sensitive people to be people pleasers and to kind of dabble in codependency so i can just use my own example because i didn't understand again that i was highly sensitive or an empath for a very long time i spent most of my time hyper aware of other people's energy and every step i took was about what someone else thought, what someone else might say, what someone else might do, right? Like I already told you everything that I did or tried to create or build in my own life was like, oh, I'm going to arrive at this place where everyone else accepts me. Thinking that if I got everyone else's acceptance, then I would feel accepted, right? I would accept myself. So impasse are prone to people pleasing and codependency. Um, And that's why too, because I know, I think you had mentioned at the beginning that like, why are they so hard sometimes? because we learn as a way of coping that somehow overextending ourselves means that we might be more lovable, that we're safer. Um, And so we're actually having to relearn and teach ourselves that setting boundaries is the way, is the way of loving you and the other person, but we have to navigate our body's response and our nervous system's response to coming up against that fear of like, oh no, if I set boundaries, I'm a burden or I might not be loved or I might be rejected. So it can be scary. And we live in a society that models that lack of boundaries. I mean, society says to us, do as much as you can, work harder, work harder, work harder, longer, longer, longer. It never talks about like rest, right? Totally. Yeah. So how, let's say, you have a friend and, you know, you're a highly sensitive person and you're starting to feel their energy kind of come into your field. What is that sort of boundary that you can set to kind of prevent that from, you know, worsening and coming into our fields even more? Yeah, absolutely. So that would be an energetic boundary that has nothing to do with the other person, unless Mm -hmm. it's a situation where, you're actually being emotionally or physically harmed or they're um, kind of like, let's say they're in an anger state and they're screaming at you. And that's obviously like a physical boundary that you would have to set with them. But we're just talking about like you and I are hanging out at a coffee shop and you've had a really stressful day and you're talking about what happened. And I start to, I start to feel that energy in my body. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there are certain things that we can do reactively, right? So the reactive self-care to kind of center and bring our focus back to our own energy. Um, A couple things that I do is if like, if we're sitting at the coffee shop and you're wearing your green sweater and I'm wearing my black top, then in my mind, as you're talking, 
I would just say things to myself, like she's wearing a green sweater. I'm wearing a black top. Um, she has her hair down. She's wearing hoop earrings. I'm wearing my black glasses. So it's just like, you're bringing your awareness back to the differences between you and that other person. And then eventually what you'll notice is your energy. You'll start to feel your energy come back to you and you're not so much into their energy. Another way that you can do it is, um, and this taste takes practice. I can do it without closing my eyes, without being in a meditative state, but you can actually um, become aware of what your energy field feels like. Um, an easiest way to do that is in the palms of your hands um, and the soles of your feet. But you can just sit there with your hands faced up and you can just put all of your focus on like the half inch that's right above the palms of your hands. And if you just focus on that, now you can continue to listen to me talk, mm-hmm. but your awareness is on your own energy field. And eventually you will start to feel the buzzing sensation in your hands. I feel it right now. <laughs> yeah. So that is your energy field. And so what happens when we are tuned into our own energy field is we're actually conscious and connected. And if we're going to offer any advice or words to the person that we're speaking to, this is the state that you want to be in to give them any feedback whatsoever, because the feedback is coming from a pure conscious state. Because when you're tuned into your own energy field, you're not tuned into the past and your mind's not telling you stories that are filtered through your backpack trauma stuff. So that's a super simple way to bring your energy back and your focus back to your own energy field. Wow. I love that. And that's like, Mm -hmm. it's immediately like a very quick thing that you can do. I immediately felt it. So if you guys are listening, try that out. That's awesome. The only reason why we are, we will become overwhelmed by someone else's energy is because we have made their energy bigger than ours. Mm. We, we do that because we disconnect from our own energy field and we put all of our focus on theirs right? So you just have to bring your focus back to your own. And it's just that empaths don't have natural energetic boundaries. We're crossing over into other people's energy without their permission. Right. Yeah. So where someone who's not an empath, they can sit with me and they're not, they're not tapping into that at all where I am. So it's like, it's really like 99% of what we're like picking up is none of our business. So it's like, oof, okay, come back. Come back to me. Interesting. Yeah. I like that taking responsibility because it is kind of up to us to be able to protect our energy. If they don't even know that we're picking up on their energy, there's nothing they can do about it. So that's right. I love that little practice. Mm -hmm. So switching gears just a little bit, I personally consider myself an extroverted introvert, but pretty introverted. Mm -hmm. Um, Are introverts usually also empaths? Because I sense similarities between these two as well. Yeah. I don't. I don't think introverts are necessarily empaths. I, I do think that introverts probably make up about 70%. Like empaths are probably oh, wow. 70% of us are, are introverts. Okay. Um, and then like 30% um, can be like a mix or, or an extrovert. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of empaths are, are introverts. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, especially with mm-hmm. the needing a lot of alone time to recharge and things like that. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And you Mm -hmm. mentioned the codependency in relationships as well being a common theme with a lot of empaths. So do you have any tips for empaths to prevent their relationships from getting super codependent? 
tips for it not to become codependent. So usually if you're usually by the time we're adults, we're going to have those codependent traits. We're going to kind of already be dancing with codependency if we are right. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you'll know, um, now I'm not saying that as an adult, you can't pick that up dependent on if you're in a, um, you know, that type of relationship where the dynamics are that way. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it really does come back to owning, owning our experience and letting the other person, like it's about empowerment, right? So we need to empower ourselves, but at the same time, we have to make sure that we're allowing space for the other person to feel be empowered too. Now I can say that for myself, where the codependent pattern came from is things that happened in my childhood. Um, there was substance abuse in my family. And so, and I watched my parents go through a lot, a lot of pain and suffering. So I took on the role as fixer, but it really was about, it was about, okay, so if I can manage energy, other people's energy, I will be more safe, Mm. right? And this is where it can get really confusing. And sometimes people don't want to hear it because they think, well, I'm sensing their energy and I just want to help. Are you sensing their energy because you want to help? Are you trying to help because you want to manage and feel better in your own body? Like you're wanting to, you're wanting to manage them. So you feel better. Right. Yeah, um, it's like a control mechanism. That's right. Yeah. It's control. Um, and it, it comes from a wounded place of like not feeling safe, but yeah, it it's uh, and it's hard. It's really hard to, to navigate and kind of break that cycle. Um, if we don't feel safe in our own bodies. Um, and that's where we come back to like the, the boundary conversation, setting boundaries when you have codependent tendencies can feel very threatening, can feel so scary. Like you're losing control. Like you're not going to be loved. Like you're going to be abandoned. Like you're a burden. So I would say, how do you navigate that very tenderly and have a lot of grace and just be as honest with yourself as possible in terms of where it comes from, what's the fear underneath it. Um, and then just go from there. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And before we wrap up, I just want to talk a little bit more about you and also ask you the rapid fire questions I ask everyone at the end. But first of all, I just want to know if you have a specific morning routine. You kind of mentioned the the non-negotiables you have in your day, but a morning routine to kind of get you centered and protected before you go out into the world as an empath. Yeah, that's a great question. So I wake up in the morning, I get my kids off to school, I meditate for a few minutes and I use my empath journal, uh, my morning ritual journal that I have on my website. I use that every single morning because in the journal, it has like intuition exercises to kind of tap back into my intuition. It has expressing my spirit so I can like get off, you know, express any energy or thoughts under the energy that I'm kind of experiencing in that moment after meditation. Um, and then I make sure I always get sunshine, spend time in nature. And then I move my body. That's, that's what I do every single morning. And then depending on how much I have going on with work, um, with the business, then, uh, that determines on how much I sit at my computer, but, um, and my phone, <laughs> right. <laughs> I try to give myself breaks during the day because my anxiety again, can just, uh, go crazy. If I'm on technology for too long. So, right. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And then you had a book come out in January. So congratulations. Yeah, thank the you book so much. The Healed Empath, The Highly Sensitive Person's Guide to Transforming Trauma and Anxiety, Trusting Your Intuition, and Moving from Overwhelm to Empowerment. So I really want to read this book. First of all, I'm really excited to get my hands on it soon, yeah. but could you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it blends my own personal story with uh, basically my business and what I teach and work with clients to do every single day. So mm. it's called the healed empath, but healed in the context of not arriving somewhere where like, oh, you know, everything's wonderful from this point on. But like I said, living a certain way and accepting ourselves for who we are and coming to that realization of like, okay, this is who I am. And this is how I take care of myself every single day. Um, kind of just acceptance of the light and the shadow of each one of us. Yeah. So it just blends it all together. I talk about research, I like spirituality and research. I kind of bring them both together. So it's definitely a, um, a project of love for sure. Yeah. Awesome. And what was that process like writing a book? What was it like? Healing. It was, um, it had moments of surprise. I had to get really super clear on my energetic boundaries before I started. Mm. Um, because one of my strengths that was forged through trauma though, um, is my ability to decide on something or have an idea and then run with it. I'm not a procrastinator. I just, I go for it. Um, sometimes like don't even, you know, like pay attention to the details. I'm so like action oriented. Oh, that's amazing. But <laughs> because that is a quality forged in trauma, it can very quickly become a weakness. Right. Um, I can push myself past my basic needs. Right. So like, oh, wow, I haven't eaten anything in five hours. So I got really super clear on like my writing schedule it was like two hour writing blocks a day with breaks. Um, and so before I signed the contract, I wanted, I made sure that I had enough time to actually, you know, build or write the book in the amount of time to honor those boundaries that I needed. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I feel like I'm the opposite. I procrastinate everything. And that probably comes from, stems from something in childhood. So that's funny that you have the opposite thing. Yeah. But I think they're both on the same, like, I, if you look at it, like on a stick of, I think it's the same thing. It's just yeah. the ends of the stick. They're both totally. based on like, not enoughness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, everyone make sure to go get your hands on this book. I can't wait to start diving in. And before we end, could I just ask you the five rapid fire questions? Mm -hmm. Awesome. So the first one is what is your favorite fruit? Mangoes. Yum. Yeah. I love them. Me too. What is your sun sign? I am a Virgo. Oh, nice. In September? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The 22nd. Okay, nice. Yep. I'm right on the cusp. Got it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're almost a Libra. Mm -hmm. Um, what is one book that changed your life that you'd recommend to everyone? Eckhart Tolle's, uh, the power of now it changed I love my book. life. Like it was seven years ago on a plane to Iceland on the way there. That was the beginning of, of everything. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask you like what like sparked your spiritual awakening. Was it that book? Um, I think it, I think it went further back, but that book seven years ago was the beginning of like the last phase, which was like Mm. the beginning of my awakening. Um, the secret, the movie, the secret for some reason. And this was like in 2007, I think. But when I read it, because I was still in that phase of my life where I thought I had to prove my worthiness, I thought I could somehow manipulate the secret to get all the things I wanted. And then I would be worthy. So I I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, wow, I totally missed the mark. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like manifesting has become something like trendy almost now, like on TikTok and things like that. There's girls talking about like, hey, you can manifest this in this many days. And it's become almost like a business and it's not meant to be that way. No, not at all. So funny. Yeah. Like what's the intention behind it? Um, Yeah. And my intentions back then were, were just help me, please. Yeah. Yeah. Intention is super important with any of like anything spirituality as well, because you can definitely have the wrong intention and try to do it to once again, feel good enough. And then it just becomes you're back to square one. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What is one habit or ritual you do every day? That's a non-negotiable. I know you mentioned quite a few, but maybe which one's the one that like, if you had to do only one Mm -hmm. sleep, I need tons of sleep. And I have since I was a child, little kid. Um, I have to have nine hours or more of sleep every single night. And if I don't get it, I'm not joking you. It's like, I have a hangover the next day. It's like a massive physical experience. So non-negotiable, like I could skip meditation for a day. I could skip Mm -hmm. journaling. But um, if I, if I skimp on sleep, I'm useless. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We just had a sleep expert on, on the episode right before this one. And she was talking about how people require different amounts and some Mm -hmm. people actually require nine to 10 hours to function at all, which sounds like you're one of those people. So I'm glad you're getting that sleep. Um, the last question is what are your thoughts on thriving? So what do you think the key is to thriving? Hmm. I think the key of thriving is to minimize self judgment Mm. because to get anywhere, right. Whatever we strive for, whether it's a healthier body or a healthier mind or, um, a more successful business, um, to get anywhere, you have to accept where you are now. Um, and I, and I, that's been hard, really hard for me in the past. And I know it's hard for people today too, but yeah, I think that's what it is. That's everything. You're right. Mm-hmm. I love that answer. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much, Kristen, for coming on. I think you enlightened a lot of people today. There's probably light bulbs going off in everyone's mind. Thanks for having mind. me. Yeah, yeah, of course. And if people want to find you on social media and where to get your book and everything like that, I know you have the journals and mm-hmm. just give us all that info, please. Yeah, for sure. So realizeempath.com is my website. Um, you can download, get all the great downloads there. 
um, Instagram, Realized Empath. Uh, the Healed Empath, my book is basically everywhere, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart. Um, if you're out of the country, all different types of bookstores all around the world. So just a simple Google search for The Healed Empath and you'll find a store near you. So thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Bye. Bye.